right, guys, welcome back to the Blockhash podcast, episode 241. Today, I have Tomer Weller. He is the VP of Tech Strategy at the Stellar Development Foundation. Tomer, how are you doing today? Pretty good. How are you doing? Fantastic. It's, uh, happy to have you on. It's an absolute pleasure. There's a lot of stuff I want to talk to you about um, regarding Stellar, but before we do, tell me a bit more about yourself and your background. How did you uh, get into this space? How did you find yourself where you are now with Stellar? Sure. Um, so right now I'm VP of Tech Strategy at the Stellar Development Foundation. Um, and I've been with Stellar since 2017. Before that, I was at the MIT Media Lab working on a bunch of different projects. Uh, spent some time on digital fabrication, worked for a year on 3D glass printing. Uh, so a lot of things, uh, not exactly blockchain uh, related. Um, and around 2017, I was in San Francisco. I, you know, I decided that it's time to get a grown-up job. Um, and I was actually just about to take an offer from Lyft when a friend suggested that I meet uh, Jed McCaleb uh, uh, from Stellar. And to be honest, I had no idea who who Jed was, even though he was a bit of a celebrity in in this space. I have not heard of, you know, Mount Gox, Ripple, Stellar, um, but I did. Uh, I was familiar with one project of his from uh, from the late 90s called eDonkey2000, which is a, a bit of an obscure project here in the States, but in Israel, where I'm from, it was pretty big uh, in, in the file sharing space, uh, obviously only sharing legal files. Uh, so, you know, so I took this meeting with uh, with Jed, learned about Stellar, you know, met up with him, met up with uh, David, chief scientist, and the guy who, write, who wrote the... Um, the Stellar Consensus Protocol. Um, you know, I was really excited about the mission, really liked the people. So a week later, I packed up my shit and moved from Boston to uh, to San Francisco, and I've been with Stellar ever since. Nice. Well, what's eDonkey again? Is it a file sharing system? Yeah, it's funny. I just had a Twitter Spaces with Jed a few days ago, and we and we spoke about this. Uh, eDonkey two thousand was one of the uh in the late 90s post napster there were a bunch of file sharing apps there was like kazaa limewire uh edonkey 2000 was was one of them uh and it was uh just really huge in uh in in israel and i actually asked jed why why would he name a project such a silly name um and he said that he went on like uh, you know one of the like domain registers and and they just like had like arbitrary names that they would suggest to you and one of them was like eMonkey2000 and he thought that it would be really funny if like you know there would be like a New York Times article in which they would write about this project and a silly name like eDonkey2000 would show up there uh, which eventually it did so you know great success that's uh, that's fantastic I thought it was like a game I was like what what's eDonkey2000 I've never heard of that is like a Donkey Kong spinoff or something um <laughs> But I don't know. Sometimes it's the most creative names that are the most attractive, and even though they don't aren't relatable, like GoDaddy, for example. Like, what does that really have to do with domains? But it gets your attention. Yeah, and I was actually a couple of years ago. I was talking with uh, Justin Rice, who you met last year, um, our mm -hmm. RGB ecosystem, about about silly names because I was tr I, I was making the point that crypto projects should have like more serious names. And what Justin, who's a who's a musician by training or by by profession, told me is that like all of, like a lot of the greatest bands of all times have like uh, like objectively like really silly names, like even something like mm -hmm. the Beatles, you know. So 
so I should just like let go and have people, you know, choose their silly project names. Yeah, it's it's more of an advertising and marketing thing than anything. Um, you know, just a yeah. name that stands out that's unique sometimes is better than something that's super serious all the time. Um, what what's your what's a uh, day in the life like for a VP of tech strategy at the Stellar Development Foundation? Like, what what do you do? What do you find yourself working on often? It's a great question. So it's very diverse and uh, I get to work, uh, I'm very lucky to work with pretty much every team in the, in the foundation from business development to uh, Justin's team to ecosystem to all of our engineering teams. Uh, a lot of it is meetings, uh, which, which can be nice sometimes, can also be very tiring. Um, specifically right now, we're working very hard on Project Jump Cannon, which I imagine we'll talk about in a bit. Uh, which is smart contracts on Stellar, but when you take on such a major pro uh, project, you have to coordinate across the organization because you know you have the developer relations uh, folks that need to, you know, write documentation and think about the onboarding experience. You need to think uh, about you know the contracts themselves. How do they integrate with something like Stellar Core, which is the core engineering team? Then you need to have API access, which is Horizon, which is this API layer. So, um, you know, it's it's really interesting. It's coordinating a lot, uh, a lot of, um, you know, interesting folks working on a lot of interesting uh, topics. What's the most exciting thing that you've been working on lately? Oh, it's definitely that. <laughs> yeah, Jump Cannon. So, um, mm -hmm. you know, Stellar is one of the most um, um, you know, experienced blockchains app. It's been around for a while, right? Since 2014, even before Ethereum. Uh, was out, so the world is the world of blockchains has changed a lot in uh, in in the seven years or eight years since uh, since Stellar launched. So you know we've learned a lot. Stellar didn't actually launch with a uh, a smart contracts layer, and the idea when launching Stellar was you know we're going to be really focused on cross border payments and issuing assets, and so you know we're going to give developers exactly what they need to build that. Uh, rather than building like this very, um, you know, cumbersome execution layer that you know is a bit is a bit slower and has like more surface area for for attacks, and and it's worked very well. Like you know, we've had a lot of uh, you know we have like global access to the network across the world. Uh, you know, it's uh, super fast, robust, cheap, uh, and we have uh, this anchor network, which is a network of interoperable on and off ramps around the world and pretty much every continent. So, you know, it's worked well. Um, but right now we've, you know, after uh, thinking about this a lot and talking with the ecosystem, listening to feedback, uh, we're also really interested in um, uh, combining this uh, interoperability with the fiat world, with the classic finance world, with decentralized finance and all the benefits that that has for, um, uh, equitable access. Nice. What are what are some of the projects that you guys are working on um, more specifically? I know that you guys are doing a lot more stuff now, even with smart contracts, uh, trying to implement that as a layer now. Um, give me a little bit of insight into what's it like right now. So one thing that's really excited that happened last year was that we launched AMMs, automatic market makers, um, mm -hmm. in, the, in the protocol, uh, which means that if you're familiar with things like Uniswap, uh, you can deposit liquidity into any asset pair um, on the network um, and collect trading fees. And anyone can move between assets either through the decentralized exchange that's been around 
since you know, the early days of Stellar, since 2015, um, or through these liquidity pools. So that was a really exciting project. Uh, took us uh, you know, most of last year to get off the ground. Um, and we're seeing success uh, in terms of actual liquidity being deposited there. But one thing we realized is that you know, there are, there's a long list of other types of innovation that we want to see in, in the protocol. And right now, without smart contracts, each of these have to be coded directly into the protocol layer. So you need to write you know, C++ code in Stellar Core to get these things off the ground. Um, you need to be, uh, it's just a, a bit of a tedious uh, process. And most of the folks that uh, are actually capable of doing that are you know, in the Stellar Core team and the SDF. And we really want to open this up to, to everyone. Uh, so that's why we're building uh, Project Jump Cannon, which is introducing smart contracts uh, on Stellar. In terms of projects that uh, we're looking to see, we're already talking with several folks building uh, various types of liquidity pools on Stellar. Um, and we're also seeing a lot of interest in the uh, collateralized lending space. So I think we're going to see some really interesting projects there. Nice. Are you guys mostly focused on creating finance use cases around these smart contracts? Or do you want to do other things like um, maybe create games or create, um, I, I don't know, there's, there's so many different things you could do. Uh, do you want to branch out outside of payments and remittance and, and finance? Or do you want to stay in that niche? So the interesting thing about being in an, you know, an, uh, an open governance network where, um, you know, people don't need permission to do anything on the network, right? So while the foundation itself has been focused on, you know, the financial inclusion use cases throughout the years, what we've seen is that, you know, a lot of people venture out and do really interesting things like in the world of spit, uh, in the world of gaming or in the world of NFTs, for example. So, you know, I was a bit of an NFT skeptic for, for, for many years and and even though you know I personally was a skeptic and and we didn't focus it in uh, on this work in the foundation, we did see a lot of interesting projects coming from the ecosystem. So this is like a grassroots activity, the whole NFT space. And now we have uh, a huge, awesome marketplace in uh, in 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 uh, Stellar. It's called Lightmint for NFTs on Stellar. We're really excited about it. Uh, we recently worked with the. Uh, CEO of Lightmint on on building this interoperable uh, standard so that you know other chains or other wallets can also connect to this uh, to this marketplace. So you know we're seeing a lot of grassroots activity um, and and eventually I think that, like the the point where it really clicked for me was uh, there's this company on the network called Leaf Global and Leaf Global what they do is they use tokenized assets to help uh, refugees fleeing from, uh, uh, from, uh, from, from specific countries. And it's a really interesting use case because uh, you know, crossing a border with a lot of money is actually very dangerous. So if you can tokenize your assets before crossing the border um, and not travel with a lot of cash on you, then that's something that's really beneficial. So we've seen interesting collaborations like Lightmint, this NFT marketplace working with Leaf Global on having refugee artists issue NFTs uh, on Stellar uh, through Lightman. So you have this uh, really interesting intersection where financial inclusion you know, meets this um, you know, artist uh, marketplace. So we're really excited about this. 
Yeah, that is really interesting. Do you guys want to help try and cultivate that more? Do you want to see more NFTs on Stellar? Or is that really just a niche grassroots you know, type of movement that's just happened randomly? We're really interested in seeing it growing. So we're, um, we actually have been, uh, our DevRel team has been starting an NFT workshop series, which uh, we gave the first instance of in South by Southwest a couple of weeks ago. Uh, the DevRel team is actually heading towards Paris to Paris Blockchain Week, and they're doing an, an, another instance of this workshop. So we're really putting a lot of effort into, um, you know, like we realize that, you know, we don't have all the answers and we just want to collaborate with the ecosystem. So, you know, we've seen this thing that's working. We want to help people uh, continue building on that. Are there fees associated with uh, minting an NFT on Stellar? Yeah. So like any operation on on Stellar, there's um, there's an XLM fee associated with it. Mm -hmm. uh, the fees are very low right now. They're like a fraction of a cent. Uh, so that so it's not even you know, it's not comparable to the things you see in other networks where you need to spend you know, tens of dollars, sometimes even hundreds to, to issue an NFT. Yeah, just a transfer an NFT on Ethereum cost me like $120, which is absolutely insane. Um, imagine if you're trying to price something between $10 $20 and allow everyone access to it, but you can't afford to do it because, you know, it costs, you know, 10 times the amount. Do you ever see that becoming an issue on Stellar? Um, if there's a lot of people jumping in wanting to create NFTs and write smart contracts, would there ever be a fee issue? Or do you think it's scalable enough that that's not likely? I think right now it's scalable enough where it's not an issue, but it is something that we're putting a lot of emphasis on. And I think that if you look at the bigger cryptocurrency ecosystem, then, you know, we talk a big talk about equitable access. But if you need to pay $100 transaction fees to move an asset, then we have a serious accessibility issues, uh, a serious accessibility issue with, with blockchain. So we're really focused on that. And even as we're building smart contracts, we want to make sure that smart contracts don't cannibalize the capacity of the network. You know, like the classic example that we saw back in 2018 was uh, when CryptoKitties took over the Ethereum network. And <laughs> to be honest, specifically in 2018, CryptoKitties is one of the best things that happened to Stellar because we just like had companies uh, calling us saying, hey, we wanted to build on, on Ethereum, but CryptoKitties. <laughs> so we want to build mm -hmm. on Stellar now. Uh, because, uh, you know, it's really, uh, it's really frustrating to, to, to build like a serious application on the network and then have some sort of like an overhyped project, um, you know, that's completely, uh, unrelated to your project effectively take over the entire bandwidth. So we want to make sure that things like payments and asset issuances, which are the core, um factors of like uh the we see for equitable access we want to make sure these remain cheap uh so you can think of it kind of like the um kind of like a toll road where you have um you know lanes that are you know for cars and then you have lanes for trucks so i think of smart contracts as like the trucks they have like their own lanes they need to pay much more fees but they don't block the entire road for people that you know want to take their um you know peugeot across the bridge yeah, I think Vitalik said something way back along the lines of how can a large company like Microsoft, for example, build an enterprise level application on Ethereum if CryptoKitties one day is 
um, clogging up the network and the, their app can't work. It's not efficient. You can't scale. You can't make it inclusive for giant corporations to come in and, and do all these awesome things we want them to use blockchain for. Um, along the same lines, you know, with the advent of uh, smart contracts on Stellar, have you guys seen interest from um, entities, corporations, um, institutions, banks, anyone that wants to partner with the Stellar Development Foundation and build more on the network? Yeah, sure. So we do talk with uh, with banks quite a lot. Uh, mm -hmm. Banks are a bit, and one thing we learned early on is that banks move slow, especially banks in, in the States. So our like go-to market and go-to strategy was to work with the smaller startups that are building you know, remittance agents or various like fintech operations because they just move much faster. Um, but we have seen success with, uh, with banks. We've also seen success with uh, companies building regulated assets on top, of, on top of Stellar. So companies like Securency, for example, that have a platform to issue a regulated asset on Stellar. So these are regulated things like equities, things like uh, securities. So um, you should be able um, to, you know, to issue instead of like on a stock market, you issue it on, on Stellar and then you have all of the, um, you know, you have, you have all the benefits of being on a blockchain, things like, you know, immediate liquidity, uh, you know, things like the fact that you know, trading never stops. It's like, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Uh, and we're seeing more and more companies that are interested in this. Uh, Franklin Templeton are already, um, they're running a few stellar validators and they, um, they already made a statement uh, last year that they're going to build a money market fund on top of stellar. So we're seeing a lot of interesting use cases uh, from the, you know, the more classic um, financial sector. Nice. What are your guys' uh, remittance goals? in 2022 like do you guys want to eventually see um global payments through stellar or a, a bigger banking partnership or even micro payments you know between customers and businesses what what types of goals do you guys have around the payments industry so long term what do we really want to see is stellar becoming a um a payment standard um and and that's because Stellar was never meant to be an island. It was always meant to be a bridge between different payment systems. And I think that's why we've been doing pretty well in getting access to around access around the world, because we don't have this like maximalist view of the world in which there is only Stellar. So, you know, things like the MoneyGram integration that is ongoing right now, and will soon um, pave the way to access between um, between cash and crypto, like 300,000 locations around the world. Uh, we think that's a huge thing for, for interoperability between payment systems. And we really want to see, um, you know, like we have this anchor network that is growing right now and MoneyGram uh, is, is a very substantial player there. And what we want to see now is we want to see more interoperability with the rest of the cryptocurrency ecosystem. Because like I said, when we started in 2015, there was very little, you know, DeFi going on, almost no blockchains. It's very clear that we're living in a cross-chain or a multi-chain world right now. And we want to make sure that people have the ability to move between these different blockchains. So one of the projects that we're working on right now is a bridge uh, that will initially bridge between Stellar and Ethereum. 
um, and la later on to other blockchains. And we're putting a strong emphasis on bridging. Uh, and we're also uh, about to announce a bridge bounty that will allow um, other dev teams to build bridges to Stellar. Um, and we're announcing a, a big XLM reward for that. Um, and we're also working with existing uh, bridge solutions, things like Flare and Pendulum that uh, connect to other networks. Have you guys considered a bridge ecosystem between like Bitcoin or another uh, uh, form of payment potentially? Or in, in, I guess maybe just round payments in general, have you guys thought about bridging and creating a more interoperable, interoperable, God, that word's so hard to say, uh, interoperable ecosystem, um, maybe between, I don't know, Bitcoin, Ripple or Litecoin or, or whatever else is out there? First of all, I think you now invented a new term, minteroperable, which is min minting, <laughs> minting in an interoperable way. I love it. I think we should use that more often. You, you can uh, have it. <laughs> um yeah so definitely um you know we're seeing what's going on with with bitcoin i'm really excited uh about bitcoin in general and and lightning specifically and i you know i use lightning on my phone i really like it um and i definitely think that there is more room for um you know interoperability especially with lightning because it provides you know usable bitcoin because uh, to be honest, you know, regular Bitcoin is just like not really mm -hmm. usable in your everyday sense. So very excited about that. Uh, there is a company that's still in stealth mode that's actually working in that space between Stellar and Bitcoin. So I, I can't share any more information there. But uh, I think we're going to see a lot more interoperability between Bitcoin and the rest of the blockchain ecosystem um, in the following in the next year. Nice. Um Overall, what are your guys' goals for the rest of 2022? What are some key things that you guys are excited about or that you want people to keep in mind or look forward to um, as we go through the rest of the year with Stellar? So 2022 is definitely the year of smart contracts on Stellar. Um, mm -hmm. So we're putting a lot of emphasis on Project uh, Jump Cannon, which is uh, introducing smart contracts. Uh, by the end of the year, we'll, we expect to launch on Mainnet. Uh, it will probably be a um, uh, like a limited execution environment. So you know, imagine that if you can do a thousand transactions per ledger today in Stellar, we expect that only a small block size will actually be dedicated to smart contracts. Uh, but the state, but the contract would be stable. Uh, that means that people would be able to to start building. We actually expect people to start building by the end of this quarter, Q2. And then in the beginning of next year, we plan on introducing a parallel execution engine, which means that we'll be able to scale up the, um, the smart contract. Cool, cool. Um, where can people go if they want to learn more about what you guys are doing at the Stellar Development Foundation or in the Stellar ecosystem in general? Do they just go to the website? Do you guys have a blog? Do you guys have a community? Where should people uh, start going? Uh, we have a very active developer Discord. Um, I highly uh, encourage folks to go to Stellar.org and, and, and join a dev Discord. There's a uh, developer portal in Stellar.org, which is uh, praised by many for being one of the best in the blockchain space. Uh, so highly recommended. Um, also, feel free to hit me up on, on uh, Twitter or anywhere. Um, I constantly post updates on Project Jump Cannon. Um, and I, you know, love getting feedback and talking to the ecosystem. 
Yeah, it was easy to find you on social media, not because of your handle, but because of the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, well, there he is. That That's him. Okay. Uh, so yeah. that made it very easy. Uh, yeah. So, so yeah, guys, go follow Tomer. Just look for the guy wearing the glasses. Um, go, go follow Stellar and check everything out and keep up with what they're doing. Make sure to like the video and subscribe below as well. Um, Tomer, thank you for taking time to be on the podcast today and really dive into all the things you guys are doing with Stellar, especially around smart contracts. Uh, very cool stuff. Very excited to see how that pans out because I've always known Stellar as a very more payments-focused network. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how maybe it evolves. Awesome. Thanks for having me, Brandon. Anytime, anytime. Take care. Talk soon. Bye.